man, that went quick. Welcome in. So happy to have you along for the ride until 1 o'clock here on Vols Game Day. Your flagship home for the Tennessee Volunteers is 104.5 The Zone. We're going to get back to the Vols talk here in just a second because Joey, as my as my grid says, Joey MF and Kent is going to be here to talk about this particular game, his expectations, what he's most curious to see and and kind of help us you know, re-engage. It sounds like people are engaged. It sounds like people are hyped. So maybe Joey doesn't need to take them back to the place that they most remember fondly during his years at the University of Tennessee. But we will enjoy our conversation with Joey, and we'll also talk about his new podcast, Three the Pro Ray. Three the Pro Way. Excuse me. Uh, 615-737-1045 is how you jump in on the conversation. We'll get to Dwayne and Franklin here in just a second, but I wanted to take a moment to talk about Jarrell Casey. Because Jarrell Casey is retiring today as a Tennessee Titan. The press conference will be right after this radio show ends at 1 p.m. at Nissan Stadium. They're having it in the interview room. I guess they can't do things at the auditorium in the facility right now due to COVID protocols with the media. So we will all be there for that at the stadium, which is probably cool for Jarrell because I'm sure he hasn't been in it in a while since he left. So 10 years in the league. Uh, sputtering out there at the end with the Broncos. Only played two games last year, but he had a great game against the Titans. Batting down passes, causing problems for Tannehill. Like, he was still a high-effort, high-energy, high-level player, even as his body started to fail him at the end, and as it did last year, to where he he only made it through the two regular season games, as we talked about, the season opener against the Titans for the Broncos, uh, and then the following game when he left with injury. Which is a credit to John Robinson, right? Oh, I think that's the best thing. Like, Derek, re-signing Derek Henry, re-signing Ryan Tannehill, all good. I think the most important thing that they did that year, that offseason, was get Jarrell Casey's contract off the And people were pissed about it. Uh, Well, people, listen, people are short-sighted. Like, I looked at, I couldn't believe the amount of money he was making when I saw the contract. And it's, I mean, Jarrell, deservedly so. He earned that money, but, like, I was shocked by his cap number. Like, oh, my God, the fact that you got draft picks out of this, that you got somebody to assume the entirety of the contract and this, you know, and then immediately John Elway the next year is is taken out of the front office because people are like, what? What are you doing? But for for Jarrell Casey, man, there are so many great memories I have of covering him and none more so than, well, actually, the the Blake Bortles thing was funny, but I don't think we have the audio of that. What we do have is Jarrell Casey before the 2019 AFC Championship game. They brought him to the press conference podium at the auditorium because, you know, Jarrell Casey deserves that kind of, that kind of, I mean, special treatment's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. He has that kind of gravitas for this franchise after, at that point, spending nine years. This, that would have been his ninth season with Tennessee, and these being the greatest heights that he was able to achieve in a Titans uniform. And to hear him talk about what that meant to him specifically. And then, of course, he was traded for parts after the season was over. But still, to hear him talk about this franchise at that moment, it it really gave you a look at the humanity of this side of thing when football, the NFL, can be such a cold business. This was Jarrell Casey back in January of 2020. I always said um, whenever I got drafted, I wanted to make sure I could, one, stay around on the team and be a leader. And then um, whenever I got opportunity – if I'm not in the Super Bowl, I didn't want to go nowhere. Uh, I wanted to stay with whatever team I'm with and make sure I lead that team to be a Super Bowl contender and 
being a leader, that's what you got to do. And I take pride in that. And as you've seen with me not wanting to go to Pro Bowls, being alternates, it's just a mindset that I always had growing up is just, you know, when you stick with a team, it's loyalty. You know, you, you got to be with that squad. You got to ride with them. No, no matter how tough it is, you got to fight it out until, until I'm done. Either I'm going to retire not being able to go to the Super Bowl at all with the Titans or I was going to be able to go to one. Um, my mindset is just take care of this AFC championship and hope my dreams come true. Now, obviously, neither of those dreams came true, and that's the harsh reality of the NFL. But I do think it's important to run back that audio because, you I mean, always honest. Always honest in his dealings with us and his dealings with people and dealing with fans and with and with the and with the organization, right? You're you're laying yourself pretty bare there. Now so Jarrell Casey, at least, and not to make this about me, but, but to kind of give give myself a little bit of uh, uh of an attachment to him, my first day on the job covering the Titans. This was before A to Z Sports, this was before I worked for 104.5 The Zone. This was at the very, very start of my beginning, uh, of my career. The first day I went to a practice. And at the time, they had just renovated the practice facility. And I, you know, I was I was told that it was a bit of a dump before that year. That would have been the 2016 season, if I recall correctly. So we're getting a tour of the new, of the revamped facility on that day from the PR staff. And all, the entirety of the media corps there were taking pictures, you know, somebody screwing around on, on like a bench press bar or something like that, yada, yada, all that. And then all of a sudden, everybody's phones start going crazy. And we all look down at our phones, and Adam Schefter is breaking the news that Jarrell Casey, who's like three, ro- three rooms over from us, has just signed a contract extension with the Tennessee Titans. I believe it was worth $60 million if memory serves, or maybe $60 million guaranteed. I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but that was my first day on the job uh, getting dunked on as a local media core by Adam Schefter because, you know, Drew Rosenhaus had just taken the picture of Jarrell Casey signing his contract with his thumbs up, texted it to Schefter. All us local media slaps are taking a tour of the weight room. <laughs> and then Jarrell, in, in what was probably, it's not, I don't know that it was his finest moment, because he had so many. I mean, we're talking about a player for this franchise, this franchise that was largely godforsaken outside of the last five years. We're talking about a player, five-time Pro Bowl selection, didn't want to go to the Pro Bowl because he just didn't didn't believe in the Pro Bowl as an institution. Six-time defensive captain, two-time Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year, seventh in franchise history with 51 sacks. He trails Javon Curse, the freak, with 52. And so second in the Titans era. Correct. I The, the, the greatness of Jarrell was not just encapsulated in this one moment, but probably his best moment in a, in a game that had the greatest impact of his career was this 2019, or I guess technically 2020, strip sack of Lamar Jackson that ultimately helped clinch the AFC divisional round to send them to the AFC title game. Backfield from his 25. Blitz coming. Jackson under pressure. Grabbed, hit, fumbles. Ball is loose. There's a fight for it. Simmons is at the bottom of the pile fighting. Titan ball! Casey got it out. 
and Big Jeff at the bottom of the pile starts wrestling a raven and he wins. That was tremendous, tremendous effort. That was second and third effort. That's what you have to have. So that's Mike Keith, Coach Dave McGinnis, Titans Radio on the call of the 2019 divisional round win against the Baltimore Ravens to send the Titans to the uh, Titans to the AFC title game against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it was that, and and at that point, his his season had already been disrupted by injury. His body was already starting to fail him. But that was such a great moment for him, for that defense, that you just hear the groans of the Ravens fans, which I'm sure gives everybody in the radio audience uh, a special kind of delight, given was, the way that Titans fans hate the Ravens. It was 21-6 at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, why, watching that game, the press box in Baltimore is probably my favorite just because it's so – it's high enough above the field that you you get to see everything, but it's still low enough to where you're basically it, – it feels like you're sitting in – in the middle of the lower bowl, like the middle section of the lower bowl, right above the field. So you're sitting on top of the Ravens fans, and thank God, like me and Lucas in the radio studio, there's like eight foot of plexiglass separating you from the Ravens fans. Because not only are these guys pissed off, losing twenty one to six, they're drunk. They're they've they've experienced all you know the uh, Enter Sandman when Lamar Jackson comes out on the field. They've got the new. In M&T Bank Stadium, they had, the, they had the Alabama LED light show that they were doing pregame. It was really, really cool. Was it cold? I mean, actually, it wasn't that bad, if I remember correctly. Like, I had a jacket on, but like a, like a, you know, a, a winter coat. But it wasn't, it wasn't like very, very cold. It was a very comfortable game. Um, you know, and then I immediately went to the press box, and it was fine. So I don't know, as the game wore on, if, it got, if the temperature and the weather got worse. Because it did start to rain at the end of that. But him in that moment and getting to do it in Baltimore in front of the Ravens fans, uh, I think gave him a special kind of delight. And that's one of the best moments that he had in his career, certainly. 615-737-1045. So a fantastic career. Congratulations to Jarrell Casey, who retires at 1 p.m. today from the NFL after 10 seasons in the league. We're going to talk to Joey Kent coming up next about this Vols game, but I know many people are still waiting to talk about the Vols, so let's go to the phones. Dwayne is in Franklin. He wants to weigh in about the University of Tennessee. What's up, Dwayne? Yo, the guy that called said he was uh, from Ohio, said he's all in on being a Vols fan. I don't know what he woke up drinking, huh? but uh, he, he needs to put that back on the shelf. I'm born and raised in Tennessee, man, and I would give my left arm to trade places with you know with him being born in ohio because oh. i'm ohio state fan so so you're oh okay so you live in tennessee but you're an osu fan oh yeah born and raised here man okay. and i cannot stand the balls can't stand them wow okay so, my thing is go buckeyes and i'm out <laughs> i can't trust you Dwayne. <laughs> Lucas could not wait to hang up on Dwight fast enough. I can't, you can't trust the guy who was born and raised somewhere and then just picks another team. What? Like, uh, like who's who's the guy in the comment section on YouTube all the time? He's like a die. He's like a a Tennessee fan all over the place, everywhere else. But he's a Colts fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's our buddy Zach Bunch. <laughs> well, I think. Do Do you know him? No, okay. no. He just he listens and interacts with us. Oh, okay. But I do have a, a good so your friend. your close personal friend, Zach Bunch, no, who, who I do, I do you not only know, know Zach. I do not know Zach personally. On YouTube, but that was such a weird place to go with that. 
Uh, I do have one close personal friend that I went to college with at UT that grew up in the Franklin, Nashville area that is a huge Vols fan uh, that is a Colts fan for no particularly good reason, maybe other than Peyton Manning, but still can't trust those people. And I tell him that all the time. <laughs> you people, Lucas says, through gritted teeth, just spitting in his orange-colored glasses. You, you don't get to pick your team. You get, you're stuck with your team. Is that how you look at this? I'm a firm believer in that. All right, we'll see if Joey Kent feels the same way. <laughs> Coming up next, Vols legend Joey Kent joins us on the other side. I'm Buck Rising, and this is 104.5 The Zone. Now I'm told that's the unofficial anthem, so we'll get to, we'll we'll get the input of a legend himself. You can check his work out at thelegendaryplay.com. You can also hear his podcast, Three the Pro Way, out and available every Monday. He is Joey Kent, VFL, and it's game day, baby. We're happy to have Joey a part of the show today. What's up, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, we're doing okay. I So here's, here's the conversation that we were having, Joey, before you joined the show. Can you trust okay. somebody who grows up in the state? Uh, let's just use Tennessee, for example, okay? Somebody okay. who grows up, diehard, Born Nashville native, but ends up being an Ohio State fan. Can you trust that person? <laughs> no, you can't. No, <laughs> unequivocally, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> That's exactly how uh, uh, Lucas Panzica, the producer of this show, feels, and he's been. How t- does that happen? Like, how does that happen? Uh, listen, Joey. I mean, they're, 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 your 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 football team. It's been it's been a little while since they've reached the heights. So I don't know if people I, I, are starting I, to stray I, I a under, little bit. I understand that. I understand that. But the last time, and it's been it's been a while. Uh, let me let me go ahead and say that from the jump. It's been a while. But the last time Tennessee and Ohio State played. Tennessee won. That's right. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, we hold those we hold those <laughs> we, we victories can, over there. We gotta take our victories when we can, though, man. One hundred percent. So there should be a victory ahead for the Vols tonight. Bowling Green is a uh, is a suffering program at this particular time. They've been paid a lot of money to come into Knoxville tonight, but I know that there are certain things. Understanding that the point spread is massive and that the stakes are relatively low, Joey. What what specifically are you looking to see? in the first game of the Josh Heupel era as it relates to the football team? I think, I think it always starts with the quarterback. And, you know, we, we talked about Milton for, for a while here, right? And we kind of anticipated him being the starter quarterback. And when he was named a couple of few days ago, you know, it was like, okay, that was a secret that everybody knew. Um, but, you know, our quarterback play hasn't been, you know, it's needless to say our quarterback play hasn't been where it should, should be for a while now basically since Josh Dobbs, you know, Josh was, you know, I think he's probably going to go down as one of the, you know, the the most unappreciated quarterbacks in Tennessee history because of what he meant to the offense and the way he kind of um, masked some of our deficiencies and our quarterback situation hasn't been where it should. And um, you look at Milton, he has all the intangibles, right? He has the size and, you know, the, the arm and, you know, everything that you want in, in a quarterback. And, you know, we, we've seen him have some success in Michigan. Um, and we've seen him not, you know, do as well as, you know, you would think he would do with all of his physical attributes, right? So um, we're just hoping that he is the quarterback that Tennessee's been wanting for, for years now. And uh, everything that I've heard about him, you know, him being a leader um, off the field, um, you know, the way he's practiced over, you know, after spring ball and, summer and this fall, um, fall camp. Um, I'm just, I'm really anticipating, you know, anticipating this to, to see him do well 
with his offense. So uh, from that standpoint, because I'm, I'm curious about Joe Milton too, and it, it's my understanding that, that he wasn't put in the best position schematically to succeed yeah. at Michigan. And, and this, so how I should judge him should not be based off of his body of work so far. And I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what he's capable of and, and really more how they utilize him right now. The, the, the benefits of tempo in an offense, Joey, are we are obviously we know what the benefits are. You're, you're getting a defense to play on their heels. The advantage sure. is to the offense as long as you understand what you are executing, and execution was a problem for this team last year. We know it's a different coaching staff. We know that the personnel is largely different, but how, how, can, how can they establish tempo tonight uh, and find ways to execute at a high level with, with an opponent that is clearly inferior? Yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer to that is just continue to get first downs, right? And, and first downs were just kind of hard to come by over the last last couple of years and you know our point production was was very low. I was looking at the stats um a couple of days ago. We only averaged twenty one points a game. Yeah. Um last year with um Coach Hypo and his you know his previous program they, they averaged over forty. And you know in this in this college game, you know, things have changed. You know, the the days of the you know twenty four to seventeen games are pretty much over for right now. This this is the kind of the football phase they're in right now that you have to score over 30 points a game to even have a chance. And uh, That's what I'm looking forward to in this offense, right? If you score points, we'll be competitive. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people talk about, you know, Ole Miss last year and, you know, them scoring a bunch of points and not, you know, the, their record didn't reflect the excitement from the program. Um, but a lot of people kind of look over the fact that they only won five games last year, right? Yeah. Um, we're hoping Tennessee wins more than that, but you know, as long as you score points, I mean, you, you're in these games, and and if the defense is, you know, improves, um, you know, from from the standpoint of last year, I think they have better personnel. I think they're, I think they're just just coach better. You know, it's kind of it's kind of funny you say that with with Jerry Jeremy Pruitt being a defensive coach and him having that background, but I think these guys like each other, man. I think you know I was. I'm actually in Knoxville, Buck. And I was about to say, you're going to the, the game, complex, right? But yeah, yeah. I was, I was at the, in the complex 40, 45 minutes ago and I was talking to some coaches and some players and some staff that I've known for, for a while. And um, they just said the building is different. You know, the, the kids like each other. They hang with each other um, after practice. You know, those little when – you, when, you, when I say that, it doesn't mean a lot to people who don't, you know, play sports or haven't played team sports, but you have to – you know, you kind of have to like, you know, the guy next to you, right? Yeah. That's going to give you, a, you know, the, the chance to, you know, to go that extra mile for for your teammate. And the building is different. The the atmosphere in the, you know, and you know, as far as the coaching staff is different. I think these kids are playing for the coaches. Um, we'll be playing for the coaches tonight and and their teammates, man. And I think it's going to be a a different brand of Tennessee football that we're going to see tonight at eight. Well, and eight Eastern. And there's something, uh, and of course you can hear kickoff between the Vols and Bowling Green right here on 104.5 The Zone, 7 Central Time, for those of you, of you listening in the Central Time Zone. I would say, though, Joey, that I think I think a lot of times the, the cliche of playing for one another gets lost on on maybe the audience or people that haven't played sports at a, at a level past high school, but there is so much truth in what you're saying there that, that can be easy, I think, for or uh, the the uninitiated, for lack of a better term, to kind of yeah. understand. Yeah, man, it's it's very important. I think you know, 
you know, I'm kind of dating myself, but you know, when I was playing in the '90s at Tennessee, man, we, you know, we we liked each other. Like I'm, I'm actually, I left, I'm at Dead End Barbecue in Knoxville with you know six or seven former teammates that you know we keep in contact with each other, you know, twenty, twenty-five years later, right? And that it, that only happens if you really loved and you know and appreciated your teammate back when you were playing. Um, I, I just don't know how much you know over the previous regime how much they enjoyed each other or enjoyed practice or enjoyed playing for that staff and um we won't have the talent obviously as as you know a lot of teams in sec but if you you know it's 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 a lot to be said for effort and and um wanting to do something to improve your team and i think this you know the atmosphere around this program is is different the air is different um i was just talking to a secretary Kim, she's been around for 36 years, and, you know, she's seen multiple, multiple staffs, coaches, and she was like, you know, it's just different. You know, it's just different. And and it's kind of hard to put your finger on different, you know, quote-unquote different, yeah. but she was saying in a, in a positive way that, you know, it's it's, gonna, it's still going to take some, some time because we, we don't have the talent, you know, the way we, you know, what we did in the past. But, um it's, it's the coaching staff is approaching this team a little bit different because I, I think they realize um, how this team was affected the last couple of years and how they were um, treated and kind of beat down and um, they took a different approach and even though they're still you know they're still coaching these these guys like hell right they're still coaching them um, but they're they're taking a different approach and I think it's working. Yeah, it's it seems to be the theme that you hear from a lot of former players from uh, from the Pruitt era and guys who have kind of survived that transition from Pruitt to now Josh Heupel. Joey Kent, VFL here with us on 104.5 The Zone. We're talking about the Vols and Bowling Green tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time. Check out Joey's podcast, Three the Pro, uh, Three the Pro Way, with uh, this week featuring Kings of Leon bass guitarist. Uh, which is a very, very enjoyable conversation. I think it's a, you guys have done such interesting interviews, Joey, that I'm uh, I'm excited that people are 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 getting to hear more of those conversations between people that you come in contact with over the course of your time in this state. But sticking with sticking with the University of Tennessee right now, I don't think that there's a more important player on this roster, non-quarterback division, than Jalen Hyatt. I think he was so mm-hmm. underutilized last year. I think that he mm-hmm. does display that game-breaking potential. It was just they didn't really use the freshman under Pruitt, and I thought that was always questionable to me. What? How How much can they stand to benefit from this player, and what kind of stands out uh, about him to you? Yeah, he's probably one of the happiest players on the team when, when Hypo was named head coach. And I'm actually – I was – his, his mom and dad. I was just talking to him at you know at the restaurant that that we're in right now. Um, I, I I want to see more from him. I, he's extremely talented. The the practice that I saw during spring practice this year, um, nobody can nobody could stay in front of him. He's quick. He's fast. Um, he's a little slight, but he can do everything that you want a receiver to do. I want to see him. You know, you you know he can go on a go route. You can you know he can run a deep, deep um, post. You know we can do all those things. I want to see him be a more of a complete receiver. And 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 I'm saying this like the last couple of years. That's that's no fault of him because he was doing what the offense kind of dictated and what was asked of him. I want to see him. I want to see him run curls. I want to see him run shallow crosses across the middle. 
take a shot. You know, I, I want to see all that because we know he can run, right? And he's going to benefit from his speed, but um, he can do so much more because he's that athletic and I think he's that talented. Um, as far as the rest of the receivers, um, Tillman, you know, Jones, um, Holloway, all, all those guys are going to benefit from this offense. And I can't wait, man. You know, this is a receiver's dream, this offense. And um, the, the only thing, the caveat to that is, is a lot of people just think it's just throwing the ball all, all over the all over the lot, but it's it's not. It's just an up-tempo offense, but they run the ball as well. So, you know, Swall is going to see, you know, he's going to see some opportunities with, you know, just the way they, they line, align. Um, they, they have wide splits. They do a lot of things offensively that I'm excited for the, you know, the rest of the country to see. Yeah, definitely a run-based offense under Josh Heupel if it's to look anything like it did at UCF. Joey Kent here with us on 104.5 The Zone. So on the other side of the ball, Joey, when we talk about this kind of talent disparity right now, and this is not to, this is not to take a shot at the, at the guys who are playing defense for this university yeah. at this point, but there, is clearly, there has clearly been attrition uh, particularly at the linebacker position, that's probably where they're hurting the most as far as depth is concerned. For, uh, understanding that Bowling Green, again, has struggled mightily in the last couple of seasons, and this is a, a clearly inferior opponent, what, from a defensive execution standpoint, do you need to see from this group tonight? I just want to see them play fast. Um, you know, from what I understand, you know, Pruitt ran a pretty complicated defense to some, right? And and when you have to think on defense, that's the worst thing. It really, on you know, offense or defense, particularly on defense. If you're, if you're thinking on defense, I mean, there's no way you can be successful. And I think they've simplified, not not necessarily you know schematically, but they're just it's just a different sense of um, accountability on defense now. Um, the last couple of years, you, you wouldn't think that a defensive-minded coach would would be, you know, that, that side of the ball would be as bad as it was. And not saying we're going to be, you know, that much better, um, but I, I do think they're going to play faster and they're going to be more confident. And, you know, you have a guy like Rodney Garner. He was here, he was here with me when I was in school. He's been around the league, you know, for, for decades now. He's one of the best defense, defensive line coaches in the, in the, um, in the college football. Um, last year, they necessarily didn't have a coach. Coach Pruitt was coaching him, plus being a defensive coordinator. So you have a dedicated defensive line coach that's going to get after those guys, knows, been successful, knows what he's doing. Uh, I think it's going to make a difference, man. I just want to see them play fast, um, play confident, and, and go after the ball. Joey, we know, we think we know what we're going to get, right, from Jalen Hyatt and Bayless Jones as far as how involved they're going to be in this offense. Probably the biggest question mark at that position is who emerges as that go-to third target. And you've seen names like Cedric Tillman and Javante Payton, maybe some of the younger guys pop up. I know you've been to practices. I know you've seen this team a little bit. Where have your eyes really been drawn to when you think about that third option at receiver behind Jones and Hyatt? Yeah, you know, anytime I talked to one of the coaches when I was at that spring ball, they they mentioned Tillman. He was the guy that was emerging, and I was I didn't realize how how big he was. He's a pretty big guy, six three, six four, over two hundred pounds, but it can run. I think what what um, initially got him was the lack of confidence and lack of targets. And it seems to me that they're going to try to get him the ball. I like Peyton too because of the experience. He's fast. He's physical. He has he plays with an attitude. Um, has a lot of swag, man. So I think he's going to bring a lot to the table. We have a, you know, we have a pretty solid receiver 
group, right? Um, you know, with some talent and some experience, a good mix of talent and youth and experience, right? So um, I'm looking forward to seeing those. Uh, they're going to get the ball, right? Hopefully Milton will put the ball in a place where they can make something happen after the catch. And, I, you know, you, you see Callaway, you see, you know, Jennings, you see a lot of these guys that are playing in the league now that, that are making plays in NFL but didn't necessarily show that here. And a lot of times because the ball placement, you know, they were jumping for balls. The balls were in, weren't in a place where they can make something happen after it. So that's, you know, going back to Milton, that's what I'm looking forward to. We all know he can throw it, you know, 60, 70, 60, 70 yards. Um, he can, you know, he can do that. I want to see the touch. I want to see the ball placement. You know, that's what the good quarterbacks do. They just know how to throw the football, where to put it. So you can be the most successful after you catch it. So um, hopefully Milton can you know find that touch and you know from what I understand he's he's kind of he's he's vastly improved on that. Um, that's going to be important in this offense. You got to put the ball where the, where the receiver can make something happen happen after it. And, uh, we can do that, man. We'll 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 be good to go. Joey Kent here with us on 104.5 The Zone talking balls and Bowling Green. All right, Joey. So this has been this has been a weird conversation for me to have all day long because I, I come from a different part of the country. College football is not in my, in my background, in my blood at all. Uh-huh. I went to Indiana university. We went to the tailgates to drink and then to go home and watch the <laughs> SEC. After. That's, not, that's not a bad plan though, but no, it worked out swimmingly, but like it's, it's the not old, a bad plan, man. Joey, the only college football game I've ever seen is working a couple of Vanderbilt games. Uh, when I first started out and I was broken, I needed the money. Describe right, for right. me the atmosphere that I'm missing out at with 102,000 people at Neyland uh, Stadium. Well, it, it really depends on on the on the decade and the years, right? I mean, when when, when you're winning, it's, it's no other place like Rocky Top. Like it's it's no other place. A, a big game. Um, I, I've been to a lot of places. You know, you look at LSU. You know that that's an electric atmosphere. You, you know, Ohio State, all those big time programs. But when Tennessee is is rolling. Um, you know, this is still a small, you know, a small town, right? And everywhere you go, you see orange and, um, game days when uh, on big days, man, it's, it's nothing like, and I can't wait for these, these kids, like for the last 10, 12 years, you, you know, these athletes had a, you know, a semblance of success and a couple big games that they, you know, won here and there, but they haven't felt, you know, they don't know what it feels like to, be in a city, be in a stadium when when it's rocking and 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 you're, you're winning games, you know, convincingly and and beating big teams, right? And big programs. It's 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 really nothing like it, man. It's it's a special place. Um, that's why I'm here today um, to kind of experience it. And you know, Hypo's first game, and a lot of my teammates are here. And you know, we the one thing that I want really wanted to mention that the you know the statue dedication this morning that's the reason why i was here early this morning right you know the t martin and lester mcclain and Condridge holloway and jackie walker i mean that that dedication um ceremony was was amazing because those guys um you know they they set the tone for you know the, the black athlete and and at the university of tennessee and tennessee was a basically a trailblazer in in in, in black athletes and putting them on positions where they can succeed man and so um it was a, it was a great morning. Um, it's emotional for me because you know my relationship with T. Conjurers is from my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, right? So you know you have two Alabama guys 
standing, you know, with a statue in front of, of Nalen, which is, you know, which is funny and special at the same time. Then you have Jackie Walker being from Tennessee and um, Lester McClain, great Lester McClain from Nashville, right? So um, it was a it was a, a awesome morning. Going to tailgate myself this afternoon um, and enjoy that myself and, and, and ready to see the balls later on at, at 7 o'clock. First black starting quarterback to start in the SEC, the first black yeah. player to score a touchdown in the SEC, the first black All-American in the SEC, and the first black quarterback to lead an SEC team to a national championship. Those are the men that were honored today and now have statues outside of the stadium. I, I imagine that it, had to be such a cool it, moment. It was awesome, man. I, I, I've never met Lester McLean, and I just walked, you know, I just had a conversation with him, you know, an hour ago. I just, just told him thank you, right? And, because he meant a lot, you know, to a lot of a lot of people. He he kind of he he paved the way for for a lot of us, and just have a chance to have a conversation with him and Jackie Walker's family. Um, you know, is you know talking to Conjures. I've known Conjures ever since I was little, and you know, just you know, so so happy for him and his family. And um, it's again, Tennessee is a special place, man. And you know, if we get football right, man, I, I can't wait. To see, because we're gonna have the food. If 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 Tennessee starts winning again, all the all the jokes and all the, <laughs> all the stuff that we've gone through over the last decade or so, um, if we start winning again, it's gonna take some time. But once we do, um, it's gonna be fun times on Rocky Talk again. No question, Joey Kent, Vols legend, three the pro way. Tech, check it out in your favorite podcast app. Hey man, enjoy the game. Thank you so much for taking some time. Get back to your lunch. We'll leave you alone. <laughs> Hi brother. Hi brother. Joey, Y'all take care, man. Joey Kent, one of the best, here with us on 104.5 The Zone. Polls next. Well, that'll do it for us today. If you missed any of the show, go check out the podcast, The Buck Rising Show, in your favorite podcast app. Joey Kent, great. Adam Sparks, great. You guys were great as callers. So if you missed any of the proceedings, make sure you check that out. Uh, the Vols tonight, I told you I bet Bowling Green plus 35. I think that that is too big of a line for me not to pass up. But again, it's about competency. It's about execution. And if they don't show those two things, well, then I think we're going to have a hell of a show tomorrow. In the meantime, polls. Oh, Nelly, this is Keith Jackson talking about college football. It's time to stop the count. The polls have closed, and the granddaddy of them all has been tallied with your poll update. Oh, Nelly, talking about Buck Rising show producer and daily correspondent, Lucas Panzeca. What is the one thing you need to see from the Vols tonight? Tucker says points. A lot of them, please. Yes, points uh, Points would be expected. Points would be absolutely necessary. And, you know, here outside of points, like, I don't just want to see big plays. Like, I don't want to see 60-yard, 70-yard touchdowns would be great. Like, I want to see what they look like in the red zone. Because that was one thing that the Vols did well last year, surprisingly, was operate in the red zone for as bad as that offense looked everywhere else on the field. Because the only thing they could do was run the ball. And when they decided to throw the ball, it ended up in interceptions or pick sixes. Correct. Henry, quarterback play well. Verbatim. Quarterback play well. <laughs> Quarterback play well. Vols play football. <laughs> Color is orange. <laughs> yes. Quarterback play well would be a necessary uh, situation for Tennessee tonight. D 
DJ says failure. That would be ideal. Why? Ooh, maybe a Bama fan, maybe a Georgia fan, a, a closet Kentucky fan, perhaps. What are you most concerned about with the Vols tonight? Josh says winning. <laughs> Listen, head on a swivel, all right? We all lived the Georgia State experience not that long ago. It's when Lucas was rattling off those ridiculous Bowling Green stats that we had earlier. I was just sitting there thinking, like, it's just, this sounds like Georgia State. Yeah, I will say Georgia State went on to have a pretty decent year that season. Uh, Eldon says the entirety of the defense. Yeah, the defense is a concern. I, I, I fear their pass rush will be not enough. I fear their linebacker depth is incredibly thin uh, and lacking talent. I fear that their secondary can't cover, which means that I fear the entirety of the defense. I think they feel good about the front end of that secondary, but depth-wise, it's a struggle. Everything else you said, uh, pinpoint. Jay Mullen says the ad nauseum discussion of them for the next three months. Strap in, Jay. <laughs> well, Lucas isn't going to let it die, so you just better be prepared. For that particular situation. Listen, I, I here's what I'll say, okay? The Vols being good is good for us. It's good for this show. So you want this show to be entertaining. You want the Vols to be good. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't sprinkle in a little disaster. Like the Georgia State thing wasn't the worst thing in the world for business. That's what we are. Uh, that's what we are. It's not I'm like I'm rooting for disaster, but I could use a little disaster. Yeah, it's either got to be really, really good or really, really bad. In between, that's where. No, it can't be like, it can't be really, really bad because then we get apathy. And I need them, I need a little bit of juice. Well, like dumpster fire bad, like 2017 coaching search, that's got juice. Well, yeah, but coaching searches are different because then everybody's just out for blood. What's your favorite Jarrell Casey memory with the Titans? V-Love says Jarrell finger wagging after <laughs> After a sack while simultaneously pulling up his britches and covering up his crack. Yeah, let's uh, let's put it on the poll to end the show. Hall of Fame uh, plumbers crack. Jarrell Casey, yes or no? I think that's uh, what we should finish the show with. Um, yeah, listen, my favorite Jarrell Casey memory is the fact, just, just covering him. Just him being a good quote. Him being unafraid to say things. He got in a hell of a lot of trouble in London <laughs> because he was asked a question about Kaepernick and they were not prepared for him to go off the way that he did. But to his core, he was always upfront and honest, and that was something I respect. Lane says, after a game, I asked him to sign my Jarrell Casey Titans jersey before we got to New Jersey, and he did after he talked to his family, and he talked to me for five to ten minutes. It was amazing. He was kind of known for doing that type of stuff, right? I mean, he's just a, he's just an incredibly personable human being, Jarrell Casey. And, you know, I, I covered him at the tail end of his career, obviously, and that's when they were winning, so I'm, I'm grateful that I got that experience and to get to see him be that kind of great on a team that was competent, a team that went to the playoffs a couple of times towards the end of his career. But yeah, he was, he was always somebody who would give you the time, even if you, whether you be fan who's seeking an autograph, whether you're somebody who's just trying to get in the presence of that kind of greatness or whether you're a media member who not everybody is also always as warm to, Jarrell Casey is that kind of person. His honesty was, sticks out to me when I asked him after, before the AFC Championship game. I asked him what they enjoy about going on the road with this road warrior mentality. And he was like, oh, I hate it. It sucks. There's yeah. nothing, I don't enjoy anything about it. Yeah. Carlos says, mine's not a memory, but his chicken legs always made him even that much more impressive to me. Again, Plumber's Crack Hall of Fame, Jarrell Casey. Chicken Legs Hall of Fame, Jarrell Casey. Uh, Ramon told me that Mike Tomlin would tell them before playing the Titans, don't let his looks fool you. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing what, there. What, a, what an awful backhanded comment. That is out a compliment. That's uh, outstanding. Crazy Pellet says, finally finding out what his sack celebration was all about. Many people uh, laud his sack celebration, the body bag. The toe tag body, wait, toe tag body drag or something like that? Toe drag body tag? Something? Toe tag body zip. 
Okay. Well, he zips up the body bag, right? It's not that. Yeah, you know what he does? <laughs> Joey says the strip sack of Lamar Jackson in the 20 playoff game. Yep. That's a, that was, I mean, he had a, that was the fan, that was the best that we saw of Jarrell Casey from that run because his body had been banged up all year long uh, and he was making plays all over the field. He was helped, obviously, by the presence of Jeffrey Simmons and David Long had a great game in that too. But yeah, it was good to see Jarrell Casey get to shine in a divisional round against the top seed in the AFC that year. Toe tag and body bag. Yeah. There it is. And Matt says when he was the only good defensive player for the Titans for about five years. <laughs> Just surrounded by incompetence, which made him look that much better. Yeah, Jarrell Casey, perpetually an underrated player. What was the worst preseason game? Or, I'm sorry, what was the worst preseason omen? Vols boat catching fire on the Cumberland, Titans field catching fire before the uh, Eddie George-Steve McNair induction to the Ring of Honor? Well, based on results, you would say that it would be the Vol Navy boat catching fire because the Titans went to the AFC Championship game. 56% say it was the Vols boat. But there's there's 44% of people that look at I I did the math right. 44% of people that are uh, that are looking at this and saying, yeah, the field catching on fire when they in- inducted Eddie and Steve into the Ring of Honor. Not great. Yeah, the Vols boat preceded the Georgia State loss, so that was obviously the worst preseason omen. But yeah, maybe the one. Titans won a little more dangerous, considering the amount of people that were around. Yeah, and people sprinting towards the flames with fire <laughs> extinguishers like they're going to be able to put out the pyrotechnics. Heroes. Yeah, okay. Those are the polls. All right. Fantastic show today. We will uh, we will have Jarrell Casey's press conference. We'll carry it live on the air for you during Blaine and Mickey. So you'll enjoy that and get to hear him in his final moments as an NFL player retiring as a Titan. An incredibly cool moment. Balls fans, enjoy the game tonight. We will react to it at length tomorrow. John Reed will be here. Coach Mack will be here. We'll have a great time together. And you'll ha- continue to have a great time this afternoon because Blaine and Mickey are up next.